Right, so hey, hey, welcome to the show. Today, Margaret, sorry, I'm going to start again, Patsy. Today, Patsy, Margaret and I are joined by someone who is truly flourishing in a brave new world. They are the author of the Radio 2 book club pick and the receiver of literary accolades from their peers, such as utter perfection, fun, fresh and thought provoking. So many gorgeous, witty one-liners. We're all in with our guest today, who unknowingly inspired Patsy and I to create something that was relatable, fun, but above all, authentic and curious. The Shelf Renaissance was born out of foundations of dreams, with a purpose to get started on a journey. We've come full circle from that day when we sat at this very table and decided on a name. In fact, the rest is available on Zippy Stream. It is available on Zippy Stream. So, uh, today, owning their space on the shelf with us is Heli Acton, the author of The Shelf and uh, The Couple, which is which is published this year, February. Um, so let me just go roll back a bit of time and tell you a little bit of a story. So early 2021, I picked up the book while out shopping in the local supermarket. I read the back and it read, everyone in Amy's life seems to be getting married having children and settling down, also Instagram tells her, and she feels like she's falling behind. So when her long-term boyfriend surprises her with a dream holiday, she thinks she's going to, he's going to finally pop the question. But the dream turns into a nightmare when instead she finds herself on the set of a Big Brother star reality TV show, The Shelf. Along with five other women, Amy is heartlessly dumped live on TV and must compete in a series of humiliating and obnoxious tasks in the hope of being crowned the keeper. So while inside the house, will Amy learn that there, was, there are worse things than being left on the shelf? So at the time, I was going through my own personal struggles. I read that in the, in the aisle and it made me smile. So I bought the book. Within a few days, I'd finished the book. Those who know me, I'm not that of a quick reader. I'm, I'm described as a detailed reader, so I take my time. Um, so finished the book um, and I absolutely loved it. It was refreshing, relatable and funny. I kept saying to Lyd, Lyd, you have to read this book. It's amazing. And so I did. And here we are. So please give a warm welcome and a brief introduction to Heli Acton. Hello. <laughs> <Yes>! <laughs> oh, thanks. That first part of that brought a bit of a tear to my eye and then made me smile a lot. So. <laughs> oh, good, good. We aim to please, we aim to please, Heli. So tell us a little bit about yourself, Heli. Tell our listeners. Yeah, sure. and, and us, and us. Yeah. Come on, we're fine. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you a bit about myself. So um, I, yeah, I'm an author. It's as, as, as my kind of part-time job. I also have a day, daytime job as well. Um, but I've been a writer in advertising for about 15 years. So um, my whole job has been coming up with ideas and concepts and stories for brands. Um, and then I had this idea uh, for the shelf um, just in my spare time. I was on holiday. I think I was having a chat with friends about reality television. There were a couple of conversations going on, like why is all why are all reality shows about finding the one and finding love and not about sort of finding yourself. Then we were also having conversations about things like what's what's the worst reality show and like what would be the most embarrassing thing to happen to you on TV because uh, we were talking about that show Naked Attraction. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we were talking about that, and then it just got me thinking, sort of in my own time, like yeah, what would be the most embarrassing? Thing? Getting dumped on live TV would be pretty embarrassing. Yeah. Um, and then also, what would a TV show look like if it was the opposite of? you know, your love islands and your married at first sights. And so I kind of thought about sort of the opposite of that and twisted it and came up the shelf. And I think the next morning um, I just began, I got a notepad out and I just began sort of tearing through the pages, writing ideas. I came up coming up with the challenges in the book as well. And, you know, I'm not a, I've never done a writing course or I'm not a trained author or anything. So it was the first kind of book. I'd, I'd always thought about oh that would make a good book or thought about an idea that would make a good movie but that's one I was really excited by and it was the first one the first idea I thought god there's <clears throat> it's quite a rich territory there are lots of stories I can tell mm. and also lots of women's stories I could tell within it through the contestants so you could yeah. get these contestants from all walks of life and you could tell lots of women's stories and about their experiences and stuff so yeah I was super excited by it and I 
I just kind of wrote it in my spare time and like my commute to work on my phone and on the bus. Oh, wow. And then that took about a year and a half. And I was kind of, I wasn't fully committed to it. And then the week before my 35th birthday, I thought, you know, I've come so far. I'm not going to come this far to only go this far kind of thing. So I took a week off work and I sort of nailed the whole sort of storyline and I finessed the first few chapters and I sent it off to some agents who I kind of found literally on Google <laughs> and, and thinking I would um, hear back from them in like a few months, but I heard back from my agent in 15 minutes um, and oh, I was wow. signed that day. So <laughs> it was really exciting. I had no idea what was going on. I for still don't listeners, know what's going on. Just, it's all just to bit, let you know, for our listeners, uh, our eyes are like saucers. <laughs> I know. <laughs> 15 minutes wow amazing I know I couldn't believe it um yeah so you know a lot of luck was involved in that reading the right emails at the right time and stuff so and did you say you'd just written three chapters well yeah I fibbed a bit because they were they require the whole book really to be written and I thought I'm not gonna I'm not gonna waste my time and I quit my day job if I'm if it if it's not a success <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and if everyone reads and is like absolutely not you're terrible please stop emailing me um, <laughs> no, I just God. so I just really like poured like really got the first three chapters down and I had an idea of where the book was going because I'm quite a methodical writer and I plan all of my books to the very end um and then when Haley, my agent got back to me and she's like can I see the rest of the manuscript I was like Mm. <laughs> I was like um can you just give me a couple of weeks to finesse a few things and I was I was waking up at 4 a.m this was before I had a child yeah. I was waking up at 4 a.m writing till midnight and just to get it done um so I managed to get it done and so managed to send it in oh brilliant <laughs> it, was, yeah. it was an intense experience but it was brilliant and um you know I just was thanking my lucky stars and I felt like this was a crazy opportunity and I was going to work 24 hours a day if I had to to get it done wow. and so without drifting into too far off the shelf do you, did you write the same way for the couple no because I had a bit more time and a bit more of an understanding about how the publishing industry works so in terms of plotting it out all yes I did um, and I so I have my spreadsheets, I have my post-its, I know all my characters, I actually interview my characters, I ask oh. them 10 sort of pertinent questions to try and like, what are your biggest fears, what motivates you, to try and get to the bottom of who they are, so I had a lot more time to sort of plan that methodically, and I also read, read a couple of books, and uh, I was following a lot more authors then, now that I was kind of in this world, and getting tips from them about how to do it, but um, with the couple, I started writing that in COVID when I'd just fallen pregnant. So my mood was like this. Yeah. COVID was happening. I had absolutely no creative motivation at all. I don't know if you guys felt the same way, but I just felt so flat. I mean, mm. you know, luckily nothing terrible happened to my family during COVID. So yeah. I'm blessed that way. But I just felt really just, you know, yeah, like, like depressed about it. And so that was writing the couple was really hard. It was mm. much harder than the shelf. And also you get this thing called second book syndrome. Yeah. You think I'm a, I've got really bad imposter syndrome as it is. And I thought, oh, I'm a one hit wonder. You know, <laughs> I can't write a second book. It's going to be terrible. And people will realize I'm such a fraud. <laughs> and all the transformation with your pregnancy, no doubt. Yeah. Um, and I actually I remember I wrote, I think I wrote 45,000 words of the couple and then deleted the entire thing and started <gasps> oh wow yeah I, my head was just a mess I was all over the place and I thought I got to the end of I can't remember what chapter was chapter 25 or something and I looked back and I just thought oh my goodness I can't show this to anyone and I just went <laughs> wow <laughs> yeah wow. um I started all over again but you know it's <clears throat> the first draft of a book no one ever reads that apart mm. from myself and maybe my mum <laughs> what, what so I was gonna say your husband has he read the books yeah he has he's read I can't remember if he's read the couple now he definitely read the shelf and he read sort of early versions of it um and you know he was a really good he was a really big support supporter actually he loved it even though some might accuse of being slightly man hatery but it's not <laughs> <meant to> be, actually. <laughs> it's 
particular men hatery. Um, yeah. But no, he, he thought it was great and was really encouraging. Um, I can't even, I can't actually remember if he's read the couple. I think he has. The problem is when I show him the first draft of these books, they change beyond recognition. Mm. So in the end, he hasn't really read the books. The characters have changed. Yeah. Mm. Um, the couple is set in an alternate reality. Mm. <clears throat> yes. Yeah, the, yeah, first, exactly. the first draft of that was actually set in the future. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. so it was very different the first draft and that was a big edit. Um, why then? Why, why bring it back? We felt that the future things, because I'd gone quite big on the details of what the future will look like. Mm. Um, okay. In terms of even who politicians might be. There was a Kardashian president of the USA. Oh, okay, <laughs> so okay. Kind of yeah. Um, uh, Actually, you do need to set a lot have. of background up, though, I guess, if you go to the future, don't you? You do. And mm. all of the details and like, every chapter I almost every chapter I started with like the newspaper headline of the day so it was really quite futuristic and I the editorial team and I felt that that would detract from the romance story Mm. so Mm. we brought it to an alternate reality which made it much easier to focus on Millie and Ben who were the protagonists Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. relationship and also really what the crux of that book is about is single shaming yeah, yeah. So we really yeah, wanted yeah. the focus to be on that not on the idea that you know there's a Kardashian in the White House yeah, yeah exactly even yeah. though it was present day potentially and um alternate reality there was still a lot to get your head around because there was it, it, it's so against the grain isn't it you think hmm okay all the girls are doing all of this very yeah. laddish yeah but actually you know you respect them for all their choices and the fact that they want to do it alone and kind of not disturb their lives with men and you know all the challenges of having all that emotion and yeah it was it was a really good book thank you yeah yeah no I was nervous about people being able to immerse themselves in that story with the understanding that this world is different it was quite Mm. Um, and I was conscious that it, you know, I was nervous that it wasn't set up properly to get that immediately. And I think I'm open with any book criticism I've received. And a couple of people have struggled with uh, getting immersed in in that world from the start because they couldn't quite understand the world that it was in, which is a fair point. Um, but once you can kind of get your head around that, it makes it yeah a bit easier yeah, to, yeah, to yeah. follow the story. But it was a really... That was also really, although I struggled writing it, it was really fun to write and imagine the world on its head. But um, I'm, I'm we haven't actually covered too. what the book's about, but yeah, <laughs> imagine a world on its head where being single is the norm and being. But I think although thing. it's it is a alternative reality, actually for many women now, successful women as well, that is their reality. It's it's yeah. my reality. Yeah. You know, I feel like I have a very successful job. I'm I kind of have my lifestyle and. Mm-hmm. The, the thought of sometimes introducing a man into it in the whole romantic gesture way mm. seems so hmm, you know yeah. yeah so I don't I don't know how far off it is I think for uh, women of a certain age now who mm. have been very career focused I think they could relate to that book hugely yeah yeah I hope so and we you know when I, I'm married now with a kid but when I was um divorced and single in my early 30s um yeah it, it, you know I had to tap a lot into my feelings back then mm. how I felt about living my own life and being really happy with that and not feeling the need to be attached to someone for my for to be happy um yes yeah, yeah definitely so and you know that the couple was written because it was originally set in the future because the question I'd asked myself is what will relationships and romance look like for my niece who's mm. currently eight and I wanted to imagine how she would treat relationships at the age of 30. Because I do feel that there's this movement towards sort of being single and proud, as you should be, and not necessarily needing that, that attachment in your life and to rely on other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I wondered if the world, you know, is going to shift more and more to, to that. But I think that's um, a good thing or a bad thing. Yeah, but I think, Heli, you're right. But I think the shift comes, okay, from being a parent myself, you know, as a woman, obvious, not obvious, maybe not obviously, obviously, but for me, it's a case of, you know, the conversations I have with my daughter, she's 18 now. Mm. Um, I like, you know, it's, it is really all about you. Mm. Mm. 
you, you know it's it's all about you first yeah. I, I'm not saying that you you sh- you don't have time to let somebody in mm. but you don't have if you have to work at it too much then yeah or sacrifice too much absolutely yeah. then actually they're not the person maybe for you I'm yeah. not we're not saying that they're bad people mm. we're just saying in terms of y- you being a half and somebody else being a half maybe it's not that half yeah. You know, and mm. uh, you know, you uh, it doesn't mean that if you meet one man that you have to think about staying with that one right. person. Exactly. And, and times have changed, haven't they? Because you know, when we look back at our parents, and I'm mine, so Heli, I'm you know, middle young, um <laughs> recently recently divorced uh two adult children. But yeah. when I look back, um my mum was very much about and, and even when I think about my niece who's single and um uh, around 40s now it was very much about oh when are you going to find a partner when are you going to get married when are you going to have kids and all of that kind of stuff mm-hmm. but I think now as Margaret said you know it is it's different and it has shifted but there are a lot more single women who are proud to be single and doing it on their own I'm you know I guess finding myself after being in a very long-term relationship 20 plus years um enjoying life um have recently found somebody that I'm talking to and I'm finding it a struggle to fit him in with everything else I'm doing so you know <laughs> it is well he's just gonna have to understand that well he is he is gonna yeah. have to understand so uh, if I've got the time then yeah but um I yeah I mean it's just, um, def- definitely there's been a shift but you know I think one of one of the reasons for that might be you know you know when our parents were younger you know they they learned from their parents and yeah. from their parents women relied on men to survive yes actually yeah so, you know, it was really important to find someone because they weren't able to, you know, and, you know, enter the workforce as we can now. Yeah. And they weren't, you know, there still is, you know, gender inequality in terms of pay. Mm. Nothing like it was 60 years ago. Mm. So for them, they were worried about their daughters finding men because they were worried that they weren't going to be able to survive without them. But True. that was no True. longer the case, thank goodness. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, even if that isn't even your reality, but that in your family unit, you decide to change it on its head. You know, so, for instance, in my family unit, um, there are times when, well, I work and my partner will stay at home or vice versa, Mm. you know, because at the end of the day, the the rearing is important, isn't it? And being there and being present. all those other things are in, inconsequential when the main purpose is to raise something, isn't it? And to grow. Yeah. yeah, 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 exactly. So, Hilly, I was interested when you said about interviewing your characters because I was going to ask you about how how your characters came about. Are they are they like people in your tribe that you surround yourself with? How how did how did they come about? And to be interviewing them as well that's quite quite an interesting um, aspect. Yeah. Um... So none of my characters are really based on anyone I know. Um, Jamie, the ex-boyfriend, is a horrible Frankenstein of my exes. (laughs) (laughs) Many exes, many exes, not just (laughs) yours. And to be honest, a couple of the things he does that are annoying are sometimes what my husband does. (laughs) That was my sly way of telling him to stop doing things like that. Um, (laughs) Uh, but no, the so I came at characters. So I always wanted to have people come from a, a diverse, you know, varied spectrum uh, from different walks of life. So regardless of age, regardless of race, regardless of wealth, um, things like that. So I think I just, um, I, I think I got like a, literally got a big A3 piece of paper and I kind of mapped out who different, who the different characters could be. Um, and I tried to imagine sort of you know, where they came from and how that shaped who they were, mm. um, what their careers are and stuff. But just w- without uh, you know, not talking about the surface stuff, sort of how they look or whatever, the interview questions that I give them are kind of more sort of psychological in depth questions. I think I, I didn't come up with it myself. I think I googled about interviewing characters and selected a few sort of key questions that would help me write them and write their dialogue so I wanted it to come through in their dialogue as well so yeah like I mentioned before it's interview questions like why are they why do they agree to the programmers and what motivates them what's the scariest thing that could happen to them you know what are their biggest fears things like that um but yeah they're a list of 10 I'm afraid I can't remember them off the top of my head but um and that's how I got sort of the 
the core characters. Um, there were a couple of characters in the first draft that I ended up getting rid of because there were too many similarities and I didn't want any repetition. Mm. Um, so yeah, that's how, kind of how I built built the world and the shelf and that's how I was trying to get across all of these different stories. Um, it's, it's difficult though, because, you know, I, I can, I feel like I can only speak really the voice of my experiences and what I've gone through. Mm. I've led quite a sheltered, privileged life. So I had to do a fair bit of research on um, even just um, other books, other movies, you know, to try and imagine what people's lives might look like if they came from this part of the world um, and things like that. So, you know, I wanted to be as authentic as possible, but also appreciating that some of the stories weren't really mine to tell. Yeah. Yeah. So I did want to touching on that then because you've got Jackie Mm. firecracker. So I like her actually, you know, um, yeah. And I did think, I don't know. I don't know if I saw anything to say that Jackie was actually a black woman, but I did. She is. Yeah. There yeah. is something. There is a it's Nigerian. Yeah. Oh, that was it. It was Nigerian. I totally forgot that it was Nigerian. So mm-hmm. to me, she was, you know, seen to be bossing it like a boss, not afraid to speak her mind. Words, words were like daggers, actually packing a punch and yeah. she had great one liners. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so, Jackie. Uh, she's, she's often a favorite. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. She, yeah, and actually, when you're saying that as a Nigerian character, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I think she could be relatable to a yeah. part, um, but almost like a, um, a prescriptive narrative. So, thank you so much for giving us a little bit of that background about that, really, mm-hmm. and and the reference to the diversity questions because you know she expressed her struggle to Amy in her job and you know overlooked for promotions Mm. and yeah I think those are real Real genuine issues that that very successful black women are facing in Mm. in the workplace Mm. and so even reading that you know you can it resonates and so many of those characters although there were lots of different creeds and colors Mm. yeah they were all of them very relatable so you know if you those interviews worked well (laughs) (laughs) I'll I'll do it again with my my (laughs) please continue with that (laughs) I will but you know it's you know I have you know I I also have to feel like I have to tread carefully as well because you know like I said um it's not my experience I don't um you know I don't have any experience of being a Nigerian so um I have to be quite you know sensitive as well to that fact yeah, but you do have an experience of living in Africa. I do. I'm, I grew up in Zimbabwe. Yeah, exactly. Mm. So from the perspective of um, certain aspects, yeah, yeah, you do have you you have a lived experience. You've Some authenticity. Mm. Yes, that's true. I have I have more experience than lots of others, I guess. Um, yeah, having grown up in Zimbabwe till I was fifteen. Mm. So how was that as an experience? Well, it was. Um, it was a you know from what from my memory it was a wonderful childhood and stuff I mean looking back it was quite a strange existence because um you know it, it is very different uh, my, my child is very very different and I look back and there are some aspects of it that I wouldn't find comfortable now for sure mm. as a white person in Zimbabwe you have you know you're really privileged compared to millions of the population mm. most of the population um, and I still have family and friends there now who have, um, you know, wonderful people, but have very different lives mm, um, to mm. me now. Um, my husband is actually South African. So the history there is. Um, yeah. Yeah. Know, not dissimilar. Mm. Yeah. Not not dissimilar, but yeah, terrible. So, you know, there are. Yeah, I can. It, it was a wonderful outdoors childhood. But I think there were lots of things that I didn't realize as a child growing up there that were pretty mm. terrible. Mm. yeah yeah but it is what it is isn't it really um that was your childhood and that doesn't mean that you didn't have a good childhood yeah Um, but sometimes um the ability and you were a child the Mm. ability to look through um a lens and see something different in the world that you occupy can be very can be very hard Mm. if that's your if that's your normal reality yeah it was totally normal for me at the time and now looking back I feel like that wasn't 
that doesn't feel yeah normal. yeah but that's the influence of politics isn't it and how quickly things can change and yeah. and now if you if you go back there and even South Africa yes mm. there are problems mm. like everywhere actually mm. um even the UK has its issues but yeah. you know there's been such a shift a transformation people embrace one another in completely different ways these days so yeah I mean I'm an I'm a, I'm a, I'm an optimist so I can only hope that the shift is getting better and we're progressing and you know it's it's well Helly that's what we need to advice. do spread the optimism because that's what we all need to be like isn't it yeah yeah definitely yeah in order to get to a better place so I was gonna say did you have no I was gonna was Margaret gonna just oh do I want to say more I want to say yeah more we did thought you wanted to cut in there Margaret so really more on the um on the couple because I know I mean the shelf was amazing but I'm both of the books have heavy feature on social media and you know modern day de- technology and and how it plays a part in in shaping the individuals I mean I guess more so in the shelf mm. but even on in the couple when they go through the process of analyzing the candidates who would consume the product mm. um, I don't want to give too much away because it's such a good book <laughs> but you know as they're kind of case studying these people and um, working out how it could be applied I mean that was also really fascinating because I, I, I go back to one um, candidate couple, the, the father and the son, mm. uh, and their relationship, and and it was it was funny that it was a father driving the decision for the son to you know take on, yeah, yeah. And, and 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 not have the experiences that many, whereas you'd, you'd imagine most fathers would want their young men having all of those experiences. So I yeah. thought that was really clever writing. Because... Oh, thank you. It was tricky coming up with those stories, actually. Mm. So, just to give some background here, so the book um, with, within the book, there's a subplot about a um, a drug called oxytocin that, um, you, if you take it, it stops you from falling in love. Mm. And so, I had to find stories um, or imagine stories of when that would be appropriate to take mm. a good a good reason to take, and it was quite hard to do that and imagine yeah so you can imagine a father putting a lot of pressure on his son because he wants him to do well and he doesn't want him to be distracted by love and relationships as normal sort of teenage a normal teenager boy would be um because he wants him to do well at school get into a good university Mm. and stuff um yeah that was um yeah that those it was I quite enjoyed writing that sort of father-son it was a small part of the book, but I enjoyed that because I think quite a lot of people, especially young kids these days, feel a lot of pressure to get good grades and things like that. And whether whether they might feel that love is worth sacrificing to do that. Mm. Yeah. But I think for me... Sorry. Oh, sorry, Patsy. I was Go just going to say, sorry, it's, it's interesting how you're saying that it's the father that is... Um, encouraging the child to 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 do that because we we all know pushy parents we all know parents that want our children to do the best they possibly can and without yeah. distraction and all of that kind of stuff I'm sorry um, I'm not apologizing for that <laughs> but, the, but you know the funny thing is that 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 was the the great thing about the book because typically it's women that yes. are being the pushy ones and that yeah. are driving the decisions yeah and and almost being ruthless men are the ruthless well ruthless you get the tiger mum thing exactly only you get tiger yeah. dads why is it only tiger mums yeah. <laughs> exactly so I think um the just those really strong characters even on from both the men and the women because Ben was so huggable soft lovely <laughs> and you know you almost kind of empathized with him that Millie wasn't getting it that she was in love with this guy and yeah um and he was a good guy to love so yeah. yeah, it was yeah, really, really good book. Oh. But I loved um Millie's mum. And going back to what Lid was saying earlier, I feel like we're the mothers that yeah. will be that, that are the Millie's mums. Yeah. You know, the ones that will now be telling our girls, okay, just go out there, be career focused. You yeah. can have everything. I, about anything. That. I love that idea. Yeah. Totally right. Mm-hmm. And so well, that's, what, I, we that's what we are saying. It's more kind of in tune now then we actually think how alternative yeah. is that yeah. that universe yeah. it could actually be something very much in the near future certainly yeah. at least for, for driving home you can have it all that success yeah. mm. you don't have to give up everything and and be 
the stay-at-home mum that takes care of the kids. Mm. And so, I think yeah. I think now it's also about it's not about you know finding a man for, for, to get married or I, I think it's 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 choice, isn't it? It's not. It's more about actually, do I want to be in this relationship? Mm. It's not about I have to. Yeah, um, and and I think we we have more choice. I mean, you know, I've got an, an older uh, uh, an adult daughter. Um, she's single. She's professional. She's very career minded. She's driven, and she's been out there and she's been on the dating scene and that. And and the men aren't coming up to the standards even that <laughs> we want for ourselves and our and our children. So actually, it's fine to to be on your own. It's fine to put yourself first and Absolutely. whatever else is going to come is going to is going to come after yeah yeah the same as uh you know um the shelf you know it had I felt the book had messages in there for women you know um be your own person mm. and never put yourself down and um to make anybody else feel better Mm. You know, um, it was not a case of, um, you know, the game show, the reality of teaching women how to correct flaws uh, um, to attract a man, actually. Yeah. Um, Don't change yourself. Yeah. Mm. And who's saying those things are flaws? Yeah, exactly. You know, mm. who's in the driving seat um, telling you that? Mm. Um, and actually, if we look at Amy, she saw she she's she saw what she wanted to see. Actually, she was never in a reality state uh, because she used to, when things happened to her in the very beginning, she, she just totally discounted them. No, 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 it possibly couldn't be that. I mean, the man's calling you piglet and he's <laughs> holding onto your tummy, even though you have said you don't like it. <laughs> I, but I bet there's that. so many women out there that are having a similar experience and just not able to, you know, say, mm, that doesn't seem quite right. But I, I think the other thing was all those supporting characters, you know, the doctor, the host of the show, he was yeah. hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely hilarious. Um, you know, the various so-called subject matter experts that came in and, and gave the girls guidance on this, that and the other. Yeah. yeah. Just so beautifully written because some of them were just so off piece. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you'd be like, oh. What what is he saying? Yeah, I know. I'm so pleased you can find the humor in that, and because um, I think a few people thought it, it was totally far fetched. That would never happen. People aren't like that. That's I like, know. I think there's really people out there. Yeah, I, know. I think there are people out there. Like I tell you, the character that really a small part. Well, not small. Yes, yeah, small. Polly. Mm. Polly was the the girl who came in to serve the tea in the beginning. Did it? <sighs> they brought her in, Amy, didn't they? And just, just sat her down and. Just, automatically thought she could do with a cup of tea <laughs> you know and uh the girl's just going through a crisis here <laughs> you know cameras are everywhere she's trying her best not to look at any you know and um yeah polly is the one who just because i think she would have you know it, it, it is fight or flight mm. in that particular moment and i think it's polly who said to her why not give it a go mm. you yeah. know what have you got to lose? Mm. Yeah. 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 You know? Yeah. I mean, for, these books sort of have, um, they're, they're kind of, the, they're unrelated, but the themes are related. But I guess the shelf is really about, um, if you're looking for the one, it might be you all along. And yeah. Really yeah. Have a relationship with yourself. And the couple is, it's not an anti-relationship book, but it's an anti-bad relationship book. So it's, yeah. it's probing, uh, it's, it's again, pro sort of being, putting yourself first but it's it's pro being able to choose to be in a relationship rather than feeling forced to be in a relationship mm. yeah yeah which actually you'll be happier at mm. yeah completely. yeah by the very definition of it isn't it yeah no of course yeah exactly so um, it took me a long time to figure that one out though it took mm. everybody a long time to figure that one out <laughs> if, it, if it was so easy I think uh well it'd be like your pill yeah mm. <laughs> you know, although so. there's a place for the pill I think <laughs> oh, wait, wait. Fun, funnily wait. enough you know there I think even in this society today there are people that would opt to take that pill yeah I think so mm. I mean I think that I think there's an argument for if you really can't get over someone 
if someone's sort of messed you up psychologically so much yeah it's possible to get over them and you're miserable for the rest of your life mm. um there's a case for it for that I think mm. um, or even um oh no she was she was the older lady who'd lost yeah she long long-term relationship but even you know people that die from a broken heart simply because their partner dies earlier yeah, than them or, yeah yeah, yeah exactly so, that's a really mm. strong case for it mm. Mm. that is no sorry mommy, on, say yeah. oh I'm, i you go ahead yeah so i was gonna say so um when you're when you're thinking about your um plots is is there a process you go through or is it just does it just come naturally for you um <clears throat> I do a lot of walking and thinking. Um, coming up with a sort of real uh, sort of nugget of an idea is uh, no, not not really a process. I consume a lot of media and see what stories are out there at the moment, what everyone's talking about. And my general way of thinking is to take the norm or the status quo and try and put it in reverse or twist it um and see what that would look like and see if there's a story in that um so really what I'm trying to do with my writing is having kind of reverse worlds or it's comedy but slightly dystopian in mm. in its feel um I'm a big fan of Black Mirror things like that but sort of with more of a comedy tone to it um so no there isn't a, there isn't a process for coming up with the idea I, I do, I do, when I, when I think of an idea, I'll write, I'll see if I can write it on one page and kind of the whole story on one page. And if I can, and then I feel like I want to write more, then I'll pursue it. But if I feel like I get to the end of that one page and I think, don't know really how much more I could write about this, then I'll cancel that idea and I won't pursue that. Um, but I've, it's, yeah, I'm coming up with the idea is, probably the, the part of writing I enjoy the most mm. just thinking about it and then taking that idea and you know starting to plot it and things like that so I really enjoy that too writing the actual book and the 90,000 words it's hard work yeah I'm sure <laughs> um, <laughs> it's but you know what it's not actually it's just um you've got to it's just determination and perseverance anyone can write a book you just have to sit down and write it um it's True. just getting that word count up and I guess you have to dedicate time and have space to do it um that's really important too yeah 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 um so you were saying that you digest a lot of material you like to um understand what's going on and things like that around the world so who do you read author-wise mm. or any anything any what do you, what are you digesting what is what is um on your table on my table at the moment is Claire Pooley. Have you read The Authenticity Project? No, I've heard of it, though. Yeah, no, it's what really uplifting. Um, it's a really uplifting read. And uh, I've got a proof of her next book, which sounds brilliant, which is called The People on Platform 5, um, which sounds excellent. It's about um, connecting with people on the tube on the way to work and how we don't talk to anyone on the tube. Yeah. And what if we did? <laughs> and so yeah that's um that was really exciting I read a lot in the genre I write in um I've made the, the author and bookstagram community are really it's a really wonderful community and I've been sent lots been lucky enough to be sent lots of proofs to read um I'm currently reading a book by Abigail Mann I don't know if you've read her before um it's called The Wedding Crusher and I read her last two books and she's hysterical she's really really funny um and I've got it my my to be read pile is probably double my height I mean I am pretty short <laughs> but it is double my height <laughs> but because I've been I've just finished my first draft of the third book um and so I haven't really had any time for reading um I've only had honestly when I get into bed and I read one page I'm <laughs> like yeah. I'm so tired because <laughs> I write I, I now you... write at night you talk about humor in mm. in your books are you actually funny do you do you stand up is that no oh are you God, witty no. do, are you generally funny in your in your no I don't think I don't think I am and I also don't think I'm very funny in the books <laughs> I get embarrassed oh, funny. no they're hilarious oh yes. thank you uh, no I'm I'm not that funny 
So I mean, you know when Millie constantly drifts off into this and uh, um, her made up. Yeah, it's absolutely <laughs> oh, hilarious. No, I'm it probably I'm a much better writer than I am a speaker. I'm actually quite an introvert, um, and I'm not good in the spotlight either. So. I, I feel like I stumble over my words and um, so I'm, I'm, I'm a bit of a lone wolf like that and like I'm absolutely fine when I've got a screen in front of me and just sort of writing on the page and I can think about it and take time but coming up with sort of ad hoc gags or banter or anything it's not really my thing. You do. <laughs> really be a terrible sound. You do, you do. Do a really so, good job. I actually, oh, oh sorry, I, was, I have another question. So you're, the, the, the shelf is actually moving towards tv series i understand yes hopefully um, fingers crossed um so it was bought by a tv production company and um i mean that was a couple of years ago i think these things take a lot of time so the pilot script's been written uh, is that something you've done or no i would have uh, if it if it does get made it, it was written by another uh, writer if it does get made i would love to be involved and mm. fingers crossed i might be able to be um but no, hopefully, I think these things take a lot of time. So no updates on that yet. But I think it would make a pretty good TV show. Yeah, it would. It would. So. <laughs> I think it would be a good Netflix miniseries because it's, yeah. it's short enough to kind of still keep you enthralled and, and keep watching episode yeah. after episode. Yeah. You know, yeah. 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 Was, I think it was, um, yeah, it was option for an eight part miniseries. Mm. Um, yeah, would, no, here's yeah. a question. Would you watch... The reality show, The Shell. Oh, yeah, I, I would. Think I would. Yeah. Well, I Patsy would. is a massive I, I, Big Brother fan. Well, would you? I was going to say, I don't know about massive, but yeah, I, back I in the, when it started, I was I was there watching it, and I do like Big Brother. So, yes, I would definitely watch it. Yeah, but yeah. what about the one with the, because I watched the first series of it, the one where they're all in the house, but they are pretending. They don't, you know, you, in terms of your persona, you make your persona Isn't right. That the circle. The circle. Uh, I haven't actually okay, watched I haven't the seen it. No. Wow. Is it good? Yeah, it is good. It is good because it's, you know, because you're playing a game. You're being very, you know, psychological about things. You know, you mm. you're actually trying to determine things to get an outcome rather than wait for outcomes to arrive. Mm. You're setting. It's not, It's almost like playing chess. You're a strategist, isn't you? You're a strategist. So, so are they pretending to be someone else? Some of them are pretending to be something. So it's like catfishing, which I find Absolutely, oh. yeah. So some of them in there are pretending to be themselves, but some of them aren't. Oh, wow. Oh, okay, I didn't know. I haven't seen out. it. Yeah, but I, yeah. I don't know if I would watch a reality um, TV show of The Shelf. I think it was quite brutal at the start. I, you know what it is? I think your characters are very realistic. And because um, I guess it was their partners that selected them for the show, yeah and it's the pilot show maybe the authenticity of those characters makes them relatable but mm. you know when you think about how people go through the process of being selected for reality tv shows i, I feel like it's just too sensationalized they need yeah, to be yeah. good on camera yeah you know they, they need Island. to be able to play exactly yeah. they're not authentic and so i struggle to watch some of those shows because after a while they get boring the people yeah. they're not real but then some of them actually, I think they go in actually not really knowing or being themselves and actually find their, um, or, yeah, they become authentic in that process. Mm. You know, almost by, even though it must be very hard because you're in this contained environment, aren't you? And you're, you're looking through the same lens. You're not having all the other activities around that are happening to yeah. kind of guide you it's really yeah. what's happening very close by yeah and I think something like Love Island they're on that show for so long mm. that um I definitely agree with you Margaret that they go in and it's a bit of a persona and a bit of an act but they're not actors and mm. I think the veil begins to fall yes. in like week yeah. three or four and then you start to see this the reality of who they are mm. Um, which I that's possibly when it gets more interesting I guess yeah when actually mm. the, 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 the ugly yeah, side the hardship <laughs> of being an amazing villa in the sun <laughs> yeah exactly must be pretty hard I think <laughs> 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 got the ugly crying comes out 
there's the, no, the, the ugly crying there's no caring about how you're looking at that stage uh, yeah it just all begins to sort of uh. yeah but my, I, I mean I I love Love Island just because it's it's just a bit of an escape mm. but, I, but also again Love Island I love watching it for the friendships that form on that show yeah because like, if, I don't know if, if you may maybe you didn't watch the last series maybe I'm the only one who's watched it here but um the last couple of series I've watched, there have been some incredible female friendships. For yeah. Me. Actually, I'm there for that. And it's so sweet mm. to watch. Yeah, but free, but female friendships, I think, um, well, look at ours, you know, here, you know, they can prop you up. They, well, if they're good, you mm. know. Yeah. But my point being is, I think people generally like to knock the female friendships. Mm. as to we're always very competitive against each other totally yeah we yeah. don't you know we don't actually prop each other up we're not lifting as you as you're rising and mm. those kinds of things where I think women now are really um helping each other you know um in the case of well in like the year but the year theme being for International Women's Day mm. you know break the bias you know, mm. I think there has been a heavy shift and focus for women to do all they can in their spaces to actually lift themselves. Yeah, yeah, completely. That was really important for me with The Shelf. Um, in the early drafts of it, there were a couple of characters who didn't make it to the final draft. And, you know, I fully put my hands up and say I, I was putting them, I was making them quite competitive with each other. But I think that was just kind of what I'm used to seeing in the media and the stuff I've read and sort of the old stuff I've read, of you know, women being rivals and stuff. Mm. I'm so pleased that I got rid of that um, mm. because it was a much more positive book um, mm. as a result. And uh, it was something I should have seen, but when you're in the thick of it, you just don't see it. And then my agent suggested, it's like, you know, I, you know, I don't think this is sort of, this is what we expect from literature sometimes to have these women you know competing against, competing each, against other. each other yeah mm. and I was like you're absolutely right and I feel like a bad feminist for having done that I get rid of them I think it's because sometimes you have to disassociate from the fact that um there was a time I think when women were pitted against each other mm. and very competitive because there was less of us in those places so mm. actually we wanted to stay there yeah, it definitely. It wasn't because we didn't want to bring people along with us, but there was no opportunity. No, you were for them to go. You were the yeah. first, and you mm. were going to be the only one for a long time. Mm. Yeah, no, that's so true. So, Hilly, you touched on uh, in the middle of writing your third book. Mm. That's right. <laughs> I can't share much about that. I, I can't. Anything, I can't share a lot. I'll, I'll share what I can. I can't share the title, um, but. Again, it's it takes place in a slightly reversed world, um, and it's about the choices we make in life, and the crossroads we face, and the paths we choose to go down. Well, mm, already looking, already looking, looking forward, forward to that. To it, yeah. <laughs> Thanks. And you, so this is your writing is in done in your spare time. It's like yeah. shelf and us. This is our side hustle. side hustle. Yeah, yeah, it's my side hustle. Which, which we're hoping that one day will be our main hustle. Um, Just keep on hustling. We do, we do. <laughs> so, uh, so what do you do on your in in the rest of your time then when you're not writing? So I am a creative director at an advertising agency. Um, and that kind of occupies my nine till three and then I fetch my little boy from school and I am mummy and Arlo from three until seven and then from seven until nine I'm back at my desk and then from nine until 11 I'm writing <laughs> so it's a full-on day I used to Hmm? I was going to say, let me ask you, what ad, if you could say one ad has actually stimulated you and really thought provoked you and everything, what would you say, what ad would it be? Oh, God, that's so, that's a, that's a really good question. Um, this, is, this is when I go back to saying I'm not really good in this, like put on the spot. Um, uh, oh, my, I, I, I should never have another interview again. I'll tell you <laughs> Right, you know what, Helly? Never that, was a bit, that was a bit on the spot. So yeah. come back to us with him. Come back to I'll us with that one, Do you know what ads I love at the moment? Are 
I work for Google, so I'm a creative director at an ad agency on the, on the Google and YouTube team. But Google, we aren't responsible for it, but Google does that year in search at the end of every year where they show everything that everyone searched from the last 12 months. And that always makes me weep. <laughs> it's so emotive. So I love those because it's real content, it's real people, and it's showing, it's just really interesting to see what we've all been searching for in the last 12 months and our searches tell us who we are mm. the truth mm. of who you are is in your internet searching history mm. and just seeing all of that i love that i love those ads mm. and also when when you know it helps me as a writer knowing what people are searching for because i know what people are interested in mm. true true so actually your um occupations marry up quite well don't they mm. yeah yeah they do uh, yeah writing and writing but I guess in my day job, I'm writing much more sort of business copywriting. Mm. So the books are my creative escape. Yeah, 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 yeah. And have you always um, written stories and, and books? Have you always used writing as an escape? Not really, to be right. totally honest, not really. Again, this all sort of happened for me about four years ago when I, I've always had my, been thinking in my head, that would make a good story that person would make a good character in a movie because I love movies and TV as well. Um, and then I just thought I'd give it a go. Mm. Why not? You know, all it, all it needs Why is a computer mm. and, you know, to start writing. Well, have you guys ever thought about writing a book? I have. <laughs> go for it. I have actually, especially the last few years, the last couple, two or three years, I've been thinking yeah. about that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yes. You should, you should. I mean, it's... You just need to carve out an hour a day, half an hour a day, 15 and, minutes. And saying that, so I was just flicking through the shelf today and smiling and, and got to the bit where Amy starts writing her blog. Mm. And I thought, oh, maybe I'm, I'm about to get on a plane on, on Wednesday and I'm out of the UK for a little while. Um, oh. and, and I'm thinking of blogging about that experience. Do you? Yeah, yeah. You've got to start somewhere. Why, Why do you have I mean, to keep going on about your trip? All right. I'm just <laughs> making it worse for us all. Liz, it's nudging me here. not leaving the UK. <laughs> it's giving me Any a big nudge. I won't mention again. No, I was just going to say, Heli, it's um, been fantastic. Yes, yeah, Thank amazing. you so much for... Uh, Thank you so much. It's such an honour to, to have been named, have the shelf named after a podcast. Oh. It's amazing. Oh, no, 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 no. Well, it's amazing that we started the journey. So, um, yeah, yeah um, what's it called? All props for us to continue in the journey. All props to you for your new book. And um, your year ahead, which I'm sure will be exciting, will be will be watching with interest. We will. We will. Thank yeah. you so much. It's been really lovely to meet you all. And we'd love and to you have as you well. back again. Yeah. Mm. I'd love to be back. Thank right. you very Take much. Take care. Thank Enjoy you. Your evening, my dear. Okay, thanks. Bye-bye. Thank you.